Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. probably just sang my favorite song. We haven't sang it in a while here. And I realize, uh, you know, the power of those words, um, all I need is you. You know, some of you guys are not in that place yet, and that's okay. Um, but music is powerful. Thank you, everybody up here. It's so, so good, and I want us to settle into that this morning. You know, even in this moment, it'd be totally appropriate to, you know, to, to, to stand, to maybe sit, if that's kind of what you feel called. Maybe you just want to, to kneel and to pray. Music is powerful for our souls. I read a quote uh, this week um, from Hans Christian Andersen, of all people. It says, where words fail, music speaks. And it got my mind uh, thinking. I mean, music is, is um, something, you know, super experiential uh, for all of us. It's powerful. It's almost unexplainable. And I started thinking, you know, I, and I didn't realize how much of a debate there was about this, <laughs> about music. I, I really think has been around since the beginning of time. Really. I, I, again, if someone believes differently, that's okay. But from what I could tell, music has been around from day one. God talks about creation singing his name in, in the book of Job. And then if you fast forward all through this life that we're in right now and we get to the end, and that's that scary, maybe sometimes awkward book of Revelation, what do we find? We find people singing around the throne of God. It's powerful. It does something for our souls. And when we, when I say I want us to settle in, there's no better setup. There's no better way to settle in this morning than to do that. So God, thank you for music. Thank you for the way it speaks to our hearts and our souls in such a deep, deep way. I pray that um, we would just settle into what you want from us this morning, from what you want us to hear, and that we would leave here differently because we experienced this moment in time. And we've put our focus and we've put our attention on what you have for us. So God, it's the reason why, once again, I say thank you for every person in this room, for every per person watching. Because I think we are supposed to be in this moment. So open our hearts, open our ears, open our eyes to what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You can have a seat. You know, when I think about 
what we are looking for in the human experience, I think it's accurate to say we're looking for love, we're looking for peace, and we're looking for joy. You agree with that? I think all of us sitting in this room today, no matter where you are, no matter what you're about, no matter you know, where you want to go, we want to feel and experience love and joy and peace, unexplainable peace in our souls. Thanksgiving is 11 days away. Uh, by the way, probably my favorite holiday. I don't know if anybody shares that with me, but I love Thanksgiving. But that also means that Christmas then is 41 days away today. Isn't that so exciting? I was in Starbucks uh, this week, and they had uh, their Christmas tree up. Uh, I was in the mall yesterday doing some shopping with my sister, and uh, Santa was in the mall It's going, it's happening. And in this time of the holidays, in this season of life, those are words that we hear often, love, joy, and peace. And I guess I have a couple questions for you today. My first question is, are we feeling that? Let's just be honest with ourselves in our own own hearts and minds. Today, are you feeling love and joy and peace? And if not, or if you're struggling with that, let me ask a second question. Are we even in a place where we can experience those things? Are we even, do we feel like we're even in a place where we can allow that emotion and that stuff into our souls? And so for the last, I would say, month or so, I've been feeling the press of something uh, I think God has put on, on my heart, and, and nothing I say is going to be uh, completely uh, revolutionary here. Um, and honestly, if you've been around here any length of time, uh, you've heard me speak of this several times already this year. And today, I only have a few minutes, because the second half I'm going to turn over to my friends, and I'll talk about that in a second. But um, this, this, uh, this thing on my heart, I, I feel so strongly, and particularly because I feel like as the holidays approach, we need to hear it again. And so really, it comes down to this. As I think about people, and as I think about the church, this is what I feel. That the number one thing that we have working against us, let's call it the number one enemy to the church, to even your soul right now, is busyness and hurry. Busyness and hurry. Dallas Willard says this, hurry is the enemy of your spiritual life. That's why I said before, I want us to settle in today. I want to talk just for a few minutes about this. So why does uh, this great theologian, author, um, professor say something? That's a pretty strong statement. This is, the, this is the greatest enemy of your spiritual life. 
Well, I want to go back to a series that I, speak, I spoke a, a, a few months ago, maybe a couple months ago. It was that series called Shut Up, The Lies We Believe. You guys remember that? And what did I say? I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. What did I say is the number one thing that the enemy wants to do to us? Why are we being lied to? What is his ultimate goal? Does anybody remember? Yeah, exactly. Good job. Gold star. He wants to separate us from God. He wants to separate us from relationship with God. Everything that is coming in, all those lies we believe, anything the enemy is doing to work on us, he is his one goal, to separate us from Jesus, to separate us from his love. And one of the biggest things that I think separates us from God is our busyness and our hurry. Busyness cuts off our connection to God, and that's exactly what he wants. And so today, for the rest of our service, our whole goal is to course correct, try to, to start on that journey, to realign our hearts, our minds, and our soul, and to try to get this, what I believe is truth, deep down into our hearts today. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm raising my hand here. I'm making public testimony. I have a problem with busyness and hurry. Would anybody want to be with me on that? Okay? All right. All over this room, we have a problem with busyness and hurry. We have a problem with pace of life. From our current perspective, where we are right now, we have the ability to look back through history. We literally have the ability to do this now, to look back through history and pinpoint certain very critical events that happened that actually changed the course of history, and it changed our culture for good. I'm not going to go into those things. You could probably fill in some of those blanks, but we get to look back and look at those significant, life-changing, life-altering events that happened in a certain place of time that changed, honestly, the course of history forever. One of these things I want to look back on for just a couple minutes today, it's more recent in our memory, and it's the year 2007. 2007. Now, my firstborn was born in 2007, Amarilla. Well, we welcomed her into the world. I don't think this altered the course of human history, Although I don't know, maybe she will change the world someday. That would be pretty cool. But that is not the event that I'm talking about that changed the world in 2007. In fact, that happened about six months earlier than she was born. On January, oh, I don't think I wrote the exact date down. Uh, I think it was January 9th of 2007. It was the birth of something else. It was the birth of the iPhone. The birth of the iPhone. You talk to any person who studies human behavior and they start to target that date and what happens around that date. Listen to this, what has happened, what happened between 2006 and 2008. The invention of Twitter, 
The, the, the time when Facebook went public so that anybody with an email address now could have Facebook. Hulu was born. Roku was born. Netflix on demand. All of them launched. And of course, the iPhone, all of them launched between 2006 and 2008. And now we have all this technology which puts information at our fingertips 24 7 365 to our already hectic lives of marriage, work, kids, kids, and more kids, holidays, parties, times with friends, time with family, funerals, traffic, church, and countless other obligations we are left to with a mind-numbing state uh, and attention spans that, check me on this, we now have less attention spans than a goldfish does. Dead serious. You can look it up yourself. That the goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds, and uh, psychologists and behaviorists say that humans have an attention span of eight seconds. Now, I've been concerned about this for a long time, and it seems like I've, I've spoken about this several times, but even more recently, as I am fascinated by this and what the effect this has on us, I, I read a book recently called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's written by a man named John Mark Comer, and it was a, a great book. But he was basically asking the question, what is all this distraction doing to our souls? And one of the things he brought up in the book is something I never heard of before. It's something he called hurry sickness. And he claimed it was a medical thing. And so again, I looked that up. And true enough, it is. I, read across, I came across an article um, that was actually in 2021, early 2021. And the author was writing about hurry sickness. And she defined it as it's a behavior pattern, not necessarily a diagnosable condition, but something that, again, psychologists and doctors uh, will refer to. It's a behavior pattern by, characterized by chronic rushing and anxiousness and an overwhelming persistent sense of urgency, even when there's no need to be moving so fast. And so she went on to describe um, six signs that possibly you are infected with hurry sickness. And I'm not trying to make a joke out of this. I'm just trying to be real because I actually think I diagnosed myself, okay? <laughs> I'm serious. Number one, we treat everything like a race. Number two, you find it impossible to do just one task at a time. Number three, you get highly irritable when encountering a delay. You feel perpetually behind schedule. Five, you interrupt or talk over people. And six, you're obsessed with checking things off of your to-do list. Just stop, right? I am that person who will write something down after I did it just so that I can check it. Yep, that's me. So she goes on to say, the need to accomplish more and more in less and less time diverts attention and emotional bandwidth away from the meaningful relationships in our life. And I automatically went back to what's the enemy's goal? To separate us from relationship with Christ. So I believe Dallas Willard is right. Hurry is the enemy of your spiritual life. And in this season, as we approach this season, the holidays of hope, 
I want us to stop, to settle, and ask ourselves possibly, hey, let's just start to course correct. Why are we doing this to ourselves? No more. Now, I, I'm not, I, I realize this is not a you know, thing that happens in a day or even a week or maybe even a year. But I feel like I would be remiss not to sit, uh, again, as a church and as a family and as, as just people in the world trying to navigate. If we don't call to attention what I think is the biggest problem affecting all of us today. Trade it for something better. Trade it for what John Mark Comer would call the way of Jesus. And this is the way of Jesus. Listen to this. I just have one verse for you today. Or one passage, I should say. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, say it with me, rest. rest. Let's keep reading. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find Rest, peace for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what does this mean? Well, first of all, the thing I noticed right away is rest. By the way, we just, I didn't notice the song we just sang mentioned the same line, rest. What is rest? Rest, a cessation from labor or exertion. Rest, freedom from the cares that rob you of peace and joy. Rest, a state of being settled. And now you say, you know, again, uh, you look at that and you say, what, what is Jesus saying? You know, he's talking about the yoke. What is yoke? That is not the yoke that you find in your eggs. That's spelled differently. This yoke, Y-O-K-E, is an interesting word and an interesting word choice by Jesus. And it actually means a couple different things. And I'm not going to go into detail about all of it today, but it really can mean two things. First of all, we know maybe some of us already the, the, um, the most popular definition of a yoke is a device. Maybe we can call it a, I don't know, a device <laughs> that links two Animals together, right? We've seen this. Um, together, what this yoke does, it learns how to help, it teaches them how to work together. Um, it also allows for like training. So if you have one stronger animal and one younger, he carries the, the, more of the burden of that load, right? So we see that in scripture too. We've seen that analogy because that was a time when, you know, Farming was, yeah, that was the kind of society it was. The second thing was, that you might not know, is a yoke was also this word that was referred to a specific teaching of a rabbi in that day. Each rabbi had a yoke. And it was a, a specific set of instructions, a kind of a, um, a way of life that was very specific to that rabbi. Sometimes you could be, you could be um, um, identified just because of kind of the yoke that you bore under his teaching and under uh, their leadership. So in other words, young learners who submitted themselves to the way of the rabbi took that particular yoke of teaching and training. 
And so in that context, we see Jesus, the great teacher, the way, the truth, and the life says, you know what my way is? It's easy, and my burden is light. Eugene Peterson, uh, who wrote uh, the message, who was the, the main person in the message translation of the Bible, which is sometimes a super helpful way to see things written in kind of modern-day language, he says, it's living freely and lightly. And I guess that's part of this whole conversation. Do you feel free and light? You know, Jesus was rarely, rarely in a hurry. Can you imagine talking with Jesus and you're having this conversation? You have something on your hand. He's like, yep, I, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not the image I get of Jesus. He's not on his iPhone. In fact, Jesus was sometimes annoyingly, and I say that, again, knowing full well what I'm saying, slow. He took everything in stride. His, one of his best friends passed away. His friends come to see him, and what he says, yeah, I'll, I'll get there. And if you look up that story, it took him two days to get there. There was another man who came to Jesus whose daughter was dying. He believed in him. I, I need you, Jesus. He says, yeah, I'll get there. And took his time to get there. But this is not the way of the world. It is Jesus' way, but it's not the way of the world. Submission to the way of Jesus. And I think you're going to hear that come out of my mouth more and more. The way, Jesus' way, the way of Jesus. Submission to that brings true love and true joy and true peace into our lives. In fact, love, joy, and peace all these things that we hear and we talk about around the holidays and we celebrate and we shake our bells to, all of that is incompatible with hurry. And I just want you to remember that as we enter this season. Let us truly be in the moment throughout the season. Be frustratingly intentional about your pace. So in this season, as I wrap up, I want to remind us to walk in the way of Jesus, who says, come to me. You're feeling weary, you're feeling heavy laden, I will give you rest. And you will find that in your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. <sighs> Breathe. Settle. So today... We want to even get more practical with that. And I've asked my friends and your friends, a dear couple who leads the prayer team at our church, Roger and Sherry, they're going to even kind of hone in on this more of how we could start even today to get our minds and our souls and our lives centered around this idea. And so I think they have something uh, to teach us. And so I'm going to invite you guys to come forward and basically close us out today. Okay, wait. You have to stay here for a second. Okay. I, we're really going to have to hurry now because Tom took all our time, so. 
I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come here. All right. It's a little sample here. Okay. I'm here. Um, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for my brother. Thank you for his father and his father's birthday today. Yeah. Happy birthday, birthday boy. <laughs> but Holy Spirit, come. Come into this place. Come into this place. As we learn together and we share together. Uh, thank you for the time and, awesome. and thank you for letting us do this. Amen. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing. Well, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I'll yank you if I have to. Not a problem. He's already got the hook ready. A um, couple of things, guys. Um, what we're going to talk about and demonstrate today are things that we do with, with the prayer team all the time. Uh, Monday nights, we're out here at 630, and we're praying. And, and, and one night a week or one night a month, we actually do a little worship and a little stuff that we'll show you in a bit. But, but that, this is what we do, okay? And you, by the way, you're all invited. You're all invited to come on Monday night if you want to. Um, you're all invited to join the prayer team and be part of the group that is up front here praying for people because the only training you need is, you know, just not how to hurt anybody. And I think I could teach you that in about five seconds. That would be okay. But what we're talking about um, is very foundational to any kind of prayer or any kind of peace. And that's connecting, connecting with Papa, connecting with Jesus, connecting with Holy Spirit. In our, in our Western culture, in our Western church, we are so intent on studying and learning and studying and learning about Jesus and, and Papa God and, and Holy Spirit. And we study and we study and we put everything in our brain and, and you hear words like, I'm thinking about, I'm considering, I'm, and it's all brain stuff, all very good, but all only part of the experience of being with God. And so today we're going to focus a little bit on that other half, you know, how we experience Papa, how we experience Holy Spirit, how we experience Jesus, how we let them talk into our lives. That's the stuff we're going to work on today. Is that okay, Carrie? Gary says we're good. Um, who's in the back there on the slides? Can you throw that first one up, if you would? Christianity is a contact sport. Yes, we have our prayer closet. Yes, we have our private time. Yes, we can do that. But essentially, we are built for relationship. We're built for relationship this way, and we're built for relationship this way. And they both have to be mature. You can't have the capacity to do this without having the capacity to do this, and vice versa. So it's a contact sport. I need to have contact with my bride on a regular basis. What would our relationship look like if all I did to her was, okay, so listen, here's what I need. Uh, I need you to, you know, can you, and then would you, and then, and then, okay. And that's the end of my relationship with her. Would that be a healthy relationship? No, that could get old real quickly, right? Now, I get now, real tired of that. <laughs> you get real tired of that, but, but that's not, a, it's not she loves me any less because I do that. It's not that she's not listening to me. It's just so much of a small part of what our relationship should be. So when, when we get prayer requests at the church here, the majority of the prayer requests we get are for physical healing. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. It's like 96% of the requests we get are for physical healing, which is great. Keep going. We want to do that. And we pray for it. And we Absolutely. pray for it every single time. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's only a small portion of the relationship. You know, asking for things from Papa is just a small portion of the relationship. Do you want to 
How about the next one there? Ron, are you on the, on the slides? <laughs> Who's on the slides? Yeah, we're not quite ready for that yet. We're not quite ready for that. But, <laughs> well, the, in this first point of how we are positioned for prayer, um, we have a position with the Lord. It's not a slave position. It's not a servant position. And this gets to me. Sorry, I'm a crier, in case you hadn't noticed that. <laughs> Anytime I talk about something that really means a lot to me, and it goes very deeply, I get touched. So just you just got to go with it. Sorry. Um, we are sons and daughters. So if your son or daughter came to you and was upset, what does your heart do? How do you respond? You're like, what can I do? What's going on? Tell me what's happening. I want to fix it. I want to help you. I want to support you. I want to, you know, all that, that flood of support comes out of you, right? So we need to have that kind of relationship where there's that flood going back and forth between us. I mean, I can go to God and I'm totally fine. I feel great. I'm solid in my understanding of who he is as my heavenly father. And I can go to him and I can pour out my heart. I can rant. I can go, I am so frustrated with this person. And I can tell him anything. I feel free to tell him anything. But how many times have I ever stopped long enough to go, what's on your heart today, Lord? And expected to hear him answer me. You know, it's very one way. If I'm the only one doing the throwing up on him all the time, I want the opportunity to understand his heart, to know what's on his heart, what's, what's current on his, what's on the front burner for him today. Is there something he wants to tell me, something he wants to tell me about my, about my husband, my family, things I need to know about how to even handle my day today. He probably has that information, but I don't even stop long enough to ask him. And then expect him to answer me. So this is the part, this is the key role that we want to touch on today to start exercising that part of the relationship of how we relate to our Heavenly Father. I just jumped all over the place. You did. You, it was great, though. <laughs> but these scriptures are the scriptures that help us understand the position that we're in when we come to him in prayer. So let's just take a look at these. No longer... Do I call you servants? Not servants, remember? For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For, the, for all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. He's, he's basically saying, our relationship is so different, guys. This is a side-by-side side -side thing here in the way that I exchange information with you, the way I relate to you. I mean, he will always be a God we revere. He is the ultimate, the supreme, like Tom talked about months ago. But we have a relationship that Jesus made way for us to have, to have these conversations with him. In Psalm 103, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and so we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. <laughs> I like to say we're his sheeple. <laughs> Never mind. Um, and the last one is the one that kills me. And if you guys have seen The Chosen and seen the first episode where Jesus is speaking to Mary, this is the scripture he says to her, and it just kills me every time because it's just, it goes so deep. Fear not. I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. 
You are mine. Tom talked about how we want a sense of love and peace and joy, and I'm going to add another one. We need a sense of belonging. All of us need to know that we belong. Think about junior high, guys. How did it feel in junior high? That nasty little part of life where you don't feel like you fit anywhere, and you're desperate to fit. You want to belong. You want acceptance. You want people to like you. Well, that sense of belonging is something that we are hardwired for. And he, God is saying, you're mine. You belong to me. I'm with you. I am so for you. You belong to me. I know you. I call you by your name. So how much easier would it be to talk to somebody who, has, who feels that way toward you? The point being is it's a two-way communication. And often when we're praying for people, and I've been doing this for a really long time, I'll say to them, how do you hear from God is one of my favorite questions. Or do you hear from God? The majority of the people that I talk to and that we pray with say, I never hear from God. I don't hear from God. They just have no idea. They have no concept that that's possible. Now, I don't know if it's because of our background and the way we were brought up. You know, I, I, was, I was brought up in the Catholic Church, and it was really rote prayer that I would recite, and I wasn't expected to have a conversation. That, that was not the way I was brought up. And so I didn't know that that was possible for a very long time. The, the other thing that I had to learn was that English is not God's first language. Okay? He has a completely different language than we do, and sometimes that language seems a little strange. Uh, we, we, Sherry and I came up with this list of things that, that we have seen that people have told us these are some of the ways that they hear from God. Because the whole idea of hearing from God is to eliminate that separation That's right. that the enemy is trying to kill us That's with. Right. And so here are some of the things that, that, that people tell us. Here's how they hear from, hear from God. Uh, some uh, sense of feeling or hearing. Tom is classic for saying... I feel it in my heart that God is asking me to do yeah. this. It's not like there's a booming voice. It, there might be, but in his, uh, his version of hearing from God, it, it, it's a feeling in his heart that's very strong and powerful and that he needs, he knows to move in that direction. Um, obviously, scripture. People, people will get scripture all of a sudden, and, and that line of scripture suddenly applies to what's going on in their life. Right. Um, song lyrics. And, and automatically, everybody assumes, oh, yes, it's, if, when I was listening to Caleb, this came to me. Well, that is true, yeah. but we have a friend down in Tennessee who gets bad pop lyrics at the right time that happen to speak into what's going on. And she knows that God is speaking to her because yeah. that's their language together. Just like Sherry and I have a shorthand language together. Mm -hmm. Just like any people in a deep relationship have a shorthand language together. Movie quotes. <laughs> If you ask one of my daughters, God talks to them in movie quotes. I don't, yep. I don't really know. Road signs, license plates. Did we tell you the license plate story? Oh. Vanity license plates. Vanity license plates. We have a friend in Tennessee who told me, God speaks to me through vanity license plates. I was giving her the number of a shrink. And she said, no, it's true. And we were driving around Nashville. And she was arguing with God. And she's, you know, why is this and why is that? And then the license plate, I'm in the car. License plate comes by, a vanity license plate, and if you read it the way it's spelled out, it says, I'm bigger than you. And she goes, okay, that must be the answer. He's bigger than me. And she moved on. But this is the kind of stuff that would happen to her all the time. Um, 
Sherry put down fortune cookies. I'm not so sure about that one. But. Sometimes they do. <laughs> uh, a friend or family speaking wisdom at an appropriate time when they really don't know the depth of the situation. They just know they need to tell you this because it's been put on their heart to tell you this. Yeah. That's a big deal. Nature. Some people just go out in the woods and all of a sudden it's like God has painted this for them and they get it and they understand it. The list is endless, and it's as personal as everything else is to you. He knows your language. That's right. And the language he needs to speak to you, his, his first language isn't necessarily English. You want to um, do that one? You start looking through scripture for how God speaks to people. It's different. It's different for all, all these people. So God spoke directly in scripture to Adam and Eve, Cain, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Rebekah. God spoke through angelic beings to Mary, Joseph, Daniel, Zechariah. God spoke through the angel of the Lord to Hagar, Manoah, and his wife, Gideon, Jacob, Abraham, Elijah, and Balaam. <laughs> this, Balaam cracks me up. This story is hilarious. Numbers 22. Look it up. Balaam was a hardcore, not listening case. Um, angel of the Lord, physically, can be seen, is put in front of him, addresses Balaam. Balaam doesn't listen. Angel of the Lord does it again. He still doesn't listen. Finally, God chose, chooses to speak through Balaam's donkey. Okay? He gives a donkey the ability to speak. And says, why are you ignoring my messages I'm sending you? And why are you beating me? You know, this donkey who's been faithful to you. And I'm sitting there going, all I can see is donkey from Shrek every time I read this story. And it just, it just cracks me up. I'm like, a donkey. Okay, you can speak through a donkey to get through to somebody. I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I qualify. But he, it's different every time. Um, he spoke to Philip. The Holy Spirit spoke directly to Philip. God spoke to Moses through a bush, thunder, wind, and spoke from the heavens when Jesus was baptized. Notice how all of them are different. He uses different methods. He says different things. Gideon, when Gideon is being a total chicken heart, hiding in like a wine press or something, and the angel of the Lord comes, hey, Gideon, great hero of the Lord. And he's like, I'm hiding. You know, this makes no sense. Basically, he's calling him out by his destiny and what he created for him and the future he sees in him. And I'm like, this is the God we serve. He's going to address us in different ways. Ab oh. Absolutely. Okay, we got to hurry now because Tom took all the time. Okay. Oh, stop. Stop. Um, <laughs> so the next, the next thing we'd like to talk about, it, you know, that's some of the ways that, that people have heard from God, but also what are the hindrances that we have uh, about hearing from God, because often people will say, I can't hear from God. Number one, fear. We're afraid of what he's going to say. Yeah. It's almost like we think if we don't hear from him, he, know, he won't know what's going on. What a delusional. Well, anyway, um, we're afraid of what he'll say to us. <laughs> we feel we're not worthy of him talking to us. Because after all, he's really busy with China right now. Why does he have time for me? Why does he have time to talk to me? Sherry put this one on the list. I don't know why she put it on the list. We never stop talking to him long enough to let him talk. That's me. 
We do all the monologuing. It's sort of like all the bad guys at the end of cartoon movies. We do the monologuing. We stay busy and distracted, not making room for him to connect with us. Yeah. We just don't make the room. We just don't make the capacity. It's not intentional. We don't automatically do it. It's not like we say, okay, great. I'm going to take and set this side of time so that I can hear from Papa because I need to talk to him about a couple of things. Yeah. Am I okay? Yeah, go ahead. Um, the other thing is we give up too soon. We think it's like a muscle. You know, we think it's going to be really good the first time. And then when it isn't, we go, yeah, that's not going to work. I got to go. We, we just give up too soon instead of trying again and again and again to be intentional and relaxed and peaceful about hearing from him. How do I know if it's God talking to me? Very good question. Could be the voice of the enemy. Could be your own voice. Could be God. How do I know if he's talking to me? Number one, if it sounds smarter than you, <laughs> it's probably him. <laughs> Rule number one. Um, his voice, in whatever way he communicates with you, will always align with his word. That's right. You need to know the word. You need to be in the word. It's got to line up. you got to know the character of God in order to be able to hear from God, or else you can be deceived. So that's where the study comes in. Hi, Matt. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's where the study comes in. That's where learning things comes in. That's where understanding, knowledge comes in, and then the spirit takes over once you've made the time. So understanding the character of God will tell you if it's God talking to you. Um, and again, we grow, we grow in, in, in hearing and learning his voice. You, you good? Yep. Okay. It takes practice, and so what we're going to do now is we're going to practice. All of you, all y'all, as we say in the South, all y'all are going are to practice right now. Um, in, in other worlds, uh, a little of this is called soaking, where you actually intentionally take the time to be quiet and peaceful and listen for God. Um, and that's what we would like you guys to try right now. And we're going we're gonna to give you a sample of what we do on that Monday worship night that we have here uh, with the prayer team. A um, couple of things that are important. One, I need you to close your eyes. And we're not going to draw funny things on your face or anything like that. We need you to close your eyes because you can get distracted by what is happening visually. And we want you to concentrate on what's happening in the spirit. The other thing is Sherry's just going to play as the spirit leads her. She's not going to play any recognizable song. And Paula pointed it out at a meeting a couple, of, a couple of times ago where she said, if we had played a song that we all knew or that was popular, we would be focusing on the lyrics and how we're singing it as opposed to just letting the music speak to us in a way that the Lord wants us to speak, uh, to, speak to us. Um, so, just what we're going to do here for a few minutes is, is we're just going to stay in quiet mode what we'd like you to do is just ask God a question or just sit there and wait for him to talk to you. If you don't hear anything, well, we'll see how it goes. But just take a couple of minutes here. We're just going to take a few minutes and just relax. And I'm going to ask him to come. Holy Spirit, come. Come into this room. You have a message for everyone in this room. Father, I ask that you would give that to them.